Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my friends. If you are not part of my Patreon family, basically, it's a platform where you can listen to episodes without interruptions because there will be no annoying ad breaks for you and you'll get exclusive early access to episodes, which means by the time you have finished listening to this week's episode, next week's episode will already be available for you to listen to on Patreon so you don't have to wait a week for the next episode. You will also get some occasional bonus content, exclusive voting powers for future episodes, my monthly Q&As, and I'm constantly thinking of new features to add to it too, and all you'll pay is a maximum of £2.50 a month. It takes less than two minutes to sign up, and you aren't tied into any contracts, which means if the content is not to your liking, you can cancel at any time. I would love you to join the family. It's a great way of supporting the show, with the added benefits of all the extras too. But, of course, you may not be in a position to contribute financially, and I completely understand that. But there are other cost-free things you could do to support the show, like leaving a positive rating and or review, sharing an episode with a friend, following and subscribing so you never miss an episode, or even recommending True Crime Britain on social media. In fact, I'm actually in dire needs of some extra ratings and or reviews right now. And this is where I would really appreciate your help. If you could please spare one minute to support me by leaving a positive rating or review, it would make a huge difference in helping others find the show so the cases I feature can get the full exposure they deserve. As always, I want to thank you all for your kind messages and unwavering support during the transition to True Crime Britain. You are all truly amazing. 
I wish you a pleasant and peaceful week. And as always, please stay safe. This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised. Two decades ago, a talented and much-loved TV presenter, Jill Dando, was shot outside her London home in broad daylight with a single bullet to the head. An extensive investigation followed, resulting in one man's conviction and imprisonment for the cold-blooded murder. Just eight years later, he was acquitted. Today, despite police naming over 2,000 potential suspects during the years, Jill Dando's death remains unsolved. You are listening to True Crime Britain. Join me, Rhiannon, each Wednesday as I tell the solved and unsolved stories of some of the most disturbing, mysterious and heartbreaking crimes committed throughout the United Kingdom. Welcome to this week's episode. November 1961 in Western Supermare, Somerset. Jill Wendy Dando was the only daughter of Jack Dando and Winifred Mary Jean Hockey. Jill grew up in Madame Lane Wall together with her brother Nigel who was nine years older. Jill's parents later recalled how delighted they were to have a baby girl and how terrifying it was when that happiness came under threat. When Jill was just three years old, her parents noticed that she would get out of breath alarmingly quickly when playing with other children, and her little cheeks were glowing red. Worrying that something was seriously wrong, Jack and Jean took their daughter to Western General Hospital a decision that likely saved Jill's life. A leading heart expert, Dr. Beryl Corner, diagnosed Jill with a potentially fatal heart condition and referred her to Bristol Children's Hospital for x-rays. The test revealed that the three-year-old had a hole in her heart and a blocked pulmonary artery, which needed to be fixed immediately. On the 12th of January 1965, Jill underwent an eight-hour surgery. The groundbreaking operation was a huge success, and the heart defects were repaired. Just weeks later, Jill was able to run to the arms of her parents, who took her home. 
Right from the start of her education, Jill was an excellent student. She attended Greenwood Junior School and Wall Infants, where she was teacher Betty Jones's star pupil and acted as a milk monitor. Later, at the age of 11, Jill moved to Wall School before attending Broad Oak Sixth Form, where she was a head girl and straight-A student. It was said that Jill always took care of her appearance, and her uniform was always immaculate. Jill was also very well-liked and had many friends in the town. By the time her teen years came around, Jill worked part-time on Saturdays at Western Library. Following their father's footsteps, Jill went on to a career in journalism, working at the Western and Somerset Mercury. Jack Dando had been the paper's head compositor for 38 years. When Jill finished school, she approached Mercury editor John Bailey for a job. Jill was asked to write a 500-word essay with the title My Thoughts on the Year 2000. The essay was very well written, but Jill later recalled how she had quite big expectations for the millennium that did not come true, like having a husband and two children. Nevertheless, the essay got Jill the job and she was taken on as one of the paper's first ever female reporters. In her free time, Jill was a keen member of Western Dramatic Society, playing many lead roles and even acting as Western's temporary mayoress on occasions when the lady mayoress was busy. It was clear Jill was a very talented reporter and performer and by the time she started helping out at Western General Hospital's Sunshine Radio, the idea of a career in broadcasting began to take shape. Jill was making new broadcasts along with other Mercury reporters on the hospital station at the age of 19. Soon, her talents were noticed, and Jill became a regular presenter. It was the start of her route onto the television. In the following years, Jill worked for the BBC, becoming a newsreader for BBC Radio Devon and a regional news magazine programme, Spotlight Southwest, in 1985. At the age of 26, in the spring of 1998, Jill was convinced to leave her beloved West Country and move to London to work as a presenter on the Breakfast News programme alongside Bob Wilson and Sally Magnusson. Within a year, Jill had become a key part of the programme and went on to have a six-and-a-half-year relationship with her boss, BBC executive Bob Wheaton. During that time, Jill replaced Annika Rice on the holiday programme and joined Nick Ross on Crime Watch. But despite her huge success and popularity, Jill always remained more of the girl next door than a celebrity. She was an ordinary little girl 
who grew up to have an extraordinary life, never forgetting her friends and family and where she came from. Jill also always made time to talk to her fans, even though she never quite understood the public's fascination with her. Still, Jill was happy that she was able to captivate her audience. As she once said, It's nice to think that people see me as a mate. When the relationship with Bob ended due to work pressures in 1996, Jill had a brief relationship with National Park Warden Simon Basil before meeting gynaecologist Dr. Alan Farthing on a blind date in December 1997. That same year, Jill was named 1997 BBC Personality of the Year, and by 1999, though she was still not at the height of her career, she was the happiest in her personal life. Alan proposed to Jill on the 21st of January, and their wedding was set to take place on the 25th of September. But sadly, that day was never to come, as just a few months after the engagement, Jill's life was suddenly cut short. On the morning of the 26th of April 1999, at around 10.03am, a postman was delivering mail to Jill's home on Gowan Avenue, Fulham, when he felt like he was being watched. As the postman looked around, he noticed a dark-haired man in a suit, but did not think too much of it and continued his route. At the same time, a traffic warden spotted a blue Range Rover parked illegally in the area and began writing down a license plate number until the driver protested. Both the dark-haired man and the Range Rover were seen by several people over the next hour. Jill, who had spent the night at her fiancé's home in Chiswick, returned home at approximately 11.30am. At this point, she was only an occasional visitor at Gowan Avenue, as the house was already up for sale. Still, somebody knew to be waiting for her that morning. As Jill approached the door and was about to put her keys in the lock, she was suddenly grabbed from behind. Using his right arm, the attacker forced Jill to the ground, almost pushing her face onto the tiled step of the porch, before pointing the gun in his left hand at Jill's left temple and pulling the trigger. She died instantly. The whole situation was over in less than a minute and carried out with such professionalism that even experts later said that the cold-blooded shooting could not have been done any better. First of all, the one shot fired by the killer had been soundless. Even Jill's neighbour, Richard Hughes, 
who had been working at the front of his house that morning, did not hear anything else other than a brief, sudden cry. The shot had also been so clean that the killer wouldn't have been covered in blood, and he was so quick in and out of Jill's front garden that barely anyone saw him. Richard did look up when he heard Jill scream and noticed a six-foot-tall white man around aged 40 walking away from her house. But as he did not hear the gunshot, Richard continued his chores. Fourteen minutes passed by, and then another neighbour, Helen Doble, was walking past 29 Gowan Avenue. She found it quite unusual that Jill's car was there, parked in front of her apartment. So Helen turned to look at her neighbour's door, as that was often how they bumped into each other and talked. It took a few seconds for Helen to register what she was seeing. Suddenly encountering such a violent scene can freeze anybody. The police were called at 11.47am and Jill Dando was immediately taken to the nearby Charing Cross Hospital where she was declared dead on arrival. The news of the death of the Golden Girl of British TV spread quickly and shocked the whole nation. Everybody was asking the same question. Why had this happened? Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It was clear right from the start, that the investigation by the Metropolitan Police, named Operation Oxborough, was going to be complex. Jill was a well-known public figure who had not just been in contact with thousands of people due to her job, but had also been seen by millions on the TV screen. The number of potential suspects was astronomical, And before long, everybody was speculating the possible motives for Jill's murder. The only things the police knew early on in the investigation was that the murder seemed like the work of a hitman, and Jill had been shot by a bullet from a 9mm short calibre 
semi-automatic pistol. Richard Hughes gave authorities the description of the man with the thick black hair and a waxed jacket who he had seen leaving Jill's house. The same man was seen by another neighbour, Jeffrey Upfill Brown, who had also noticed the hasty departure of the killer. In addition, a Blue Range Rover was captured on CCTV, travelling at high speed down Fulham Palace Road, away from the crime scene. Based on the witness reports and other evidence, the police began to think that the murderer might have had an accomplice. As mentioned before, Jill rarely visited her house anymore, and there was no way for the killer to know when she would come, or if she would come at all. So the assailant must have been waiting for the right moment in the immediate vicinity of Jill's house, likely sitting in a car, as nobody had noticed the man beforehand. When Jill was then seen returning to her house, the gunman got out and his accomplice drove the vehicle to a predetermined location. That way, the Blue Range Rover would not be immediately connected to the murder. However, as the investigation progressed, the police eventually dismissed the Blue Range Rover sightings as insignificant. Within six months, the murder investigation team had interviewed more than 2,500 people and written down over 1,000 statements, but made little progress in finding the killer. The murder was also featured on Crime Watch, the programme Jill herself was hosting until her untimely death. The reconstruction of the crime on the show on the 18th of May 2000 and appeals from her fiancé Alan Farthing generated 500 calls from the public. However, it was a tip-off given to the police just a day after the murder that eventually led to an arrest. Immediately after Jill's death, someone had expressed their suspicion to the police of a, quote, mentally unstable man who lived just 500 yards from the TV star's home, 40-year-old Barry George. The police were already a bit too familiar with Barry. He had even tried to join the force at some point, failed, and was then arrested and charged for pretending to be a police officer after obtaining false warrant cards. During his trial, Barry was seen wearing glam rock attire, proclaiming his real name was Paul Gadd which is the birth name of disgraced pop star Gary Glitter. Barry also served 18 months of a 33-month sentence for attempted rape and was also known to be obsessed with Princess Diana. In 1983, Barry was arrested in the grounds of Diana's home at Kensington Palace, 
having two knives and a 15-foot coil of rope in his possession. Strong evidence suggested that Barry had been stalking the princess, but he was never charged over the incident. After Diana's death in 1997, it is possible that Barry looked for a replacement and transferred his obsession to Jill Dando, who he saw on the TV all the time and who shared similar features with the princess. It took the police 10 months to look more closely at Barry George, likely due to the endless amounts of tips coming in due to the high profile of the case. But when they finally did, the investigators quickly noticed Barry fit the psychological profile provided in May 1999 by forensic criminal psychologist Dr. Adrian West who said the authority should look for an obsessive loner. And so, Barry was put under surveillance and eventually arrested on the 25th of May 2000. At this point, the police were so sure that they had the right guy that three days later, Barry George was charged with Jill Dando's death. Before his trial... Barry was diagnosed with Asperger's Syndrome, Epilepsy and Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder and was estimated to have an IQ of around 75. It was evident Barry was a troubled individual. But did that make him a killer? The only piece of evidence the prosecution had to link Barry to the death of Jill Dando was a microscopic particle said to be gunshot residue found in his coat upon his arrest, ten months after the shooting. Somehow, that was enough to convict Barry George on the 2nd of July 2001 and sentence him to life imprisonment. The case could have ended there, but Barry and his legal team were not going to give up without a fight. After two failed appeals, the third one succeeded in 2007 after discredited forensics evidence was excluded from the prosecution's case. Barry was given a new trial that lasted for eight weeks and ended with his acquittal on the 1st of August 2008. The Supreme Court stated that the evidence presented during the first trial was, quote, so undermined that no conviction could possibly be based upon it. However, after spending eight years of his life behind bars for a crime he did not commit, Barry George was denied any compensation because he was, quote, not innocent enough, according to the Justice Secretary. After Barry's release, the police were back to square one. Over the following years, there were several theories of what happened to Jill Dando. 
one of the proposed theories was mentioned by Barry George's defense team during the first trial. Lawyer Michael Mansfield proposed that Jill's death had something to do with the UK and NATO being involved in the Kosovo War opposing Serbia. The claim was based on the phone calls made immediately after the shooting to the BBC and other media outlets, claiming responsibility for the killing on behalf of the Serb groups. Perhaps the Serbian warlord Arkan had ordered Jill's assassination in revenge for the NATO bombing of the RTS headquarters. A few weeks earlier, Jill had fronted a BBC appeal for aid for the Kosovan Albanian refugees, possibly making her a target. Still, the theory was eventually dismissed as utter nonsense and no solid evidence has ever been produced to prove the Serbian connection. Another possibility was that Jill was gunned down on the orders of a London underworld gangster, only known as Mr. Big. The murder seemed to have been a professional hit, and Jill's work on Crime Watch could have pushed a mob boss to send a message. Do not mess with organised crime. It has also been said that Jill had found evidence of a paedophile ring that existed at the BBC following the Jimmy Savile sexual abuse scandal, and so she needed to be silenced. However, some details caused the investigators to question the professionalism of the attack. The spent cartridge was left at the scene. The gun used may have been a modified starting pistol, and the location and time of the attack did not really fit with the work of a professional hitman. So, what if the killer was just an ordinary person? Perhaps a stalker instead of a gangster? Someone like Barry George? Jill was a very public figure, so it is possible that she had obsessive fans. Apparently, Jill's brother Nigel informed the police that she had been worried about some guy pestering her just days before her death. But again, that lead didn't lead to anything. And that is where we are today, 23 years later, since Barry George's arrest, conviction and acquittal. No one else has ever been charged with Jill Dando's murder. Some still believe the Yugoslav connection is the most plausible theory. But unfortunately, even the leading detective of the case, Hamish Campbell, says that we most likely will never get the answer to who killed Jill Dando. Still, Her brother, Nigel, just hopes for some closure, saying, Of course, I would like to see somebody charged and convicted, but I would just like to know why. Why someone would want to kill her. I would like somebody, the person who did it, 
to be able to tell me why it happened, that would just put my mind at rest. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and thank you for your kind messages of support, feedback, positive reviews and of course your patience. I really do appreciate it and I love reading what you have to say. For transcripts, photos, credits and resources relating to today's episode, please visit www.truecrimebritain.com. If you'd like to access things like ad-free, early release and bonus episodes, I'd love you to consider supporting the show by joining me on Patreon, where you could get access to all that and even more rewards from just £1 a month. You can join now by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash truecrimebritain or see the episode description. Don't forget, you can also like, follow and or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a future episode. There are some big cases coming up and I wouldn't want you to miss out. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and YouTube for regular case updates. Just search for True Crime Britain. If you're already supporting me on Patreon, you can find next week's episode already there waiting for you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and please stay safe. If you are affected by any of the content featured in today's episode, please see the show notes or visit www.truecrimebritain.com where you can find links to further support. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.